1: Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, thank you so much for your mercy towards us, Father. You are so merciful towards your people, and we give thanks unto you, Father. Lord, we thank you for warning your people today about the great deceptions that are coming and uh, thank you, Lord, uh, that um, those that are holy and righteous before you will escape these things. And those that have their own self-will, going their own way, will be taken. We ask you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. All right. We're going to continue with the Beast's Great Deception, number two. And we're going to start with a revelation that we call Tribulation Judgment, DNA Deception, and the Mark. This first revelation was given to Tiana Fire, 131-23. I dreamt that Samuel and I were staying at my biological dad's house. My dad represents the flesh or old carnal man. We really did not want to be there. The street his house was on was very steep, and it went up to the top of a giant hill, but his house was close to the bottom of the hill. Well, my thoughts are that the old man is content to stay where he is and uh, doesn't want to climb to the top of Mount Zion through the crucified, sanctified life, which, of course, kills the old man. (laughs) So, So we must leave the old man's house in order to get to safety at the top of Mount Zion. Amen. We know that our trip is always towards the bride, and Mount Zion represents that bride. We prayed for God to give us permission to leave here because we didn't want to stay in my old man's house. My stepmom, representing uh, Jezebel, was coming back soon, and we took that as a sign that God was allowing us to leave. Uh, Samuel and I didn't want to see her, so we started to pack all of our stuff to leave before she got there. Well, we do have to escape the old man's house and Jezebel that runs it at all costs. Jezebel's very religious, you know, but um, but uh, very uh, self-willed and uh, distracting people from hearing the word of the Lord, right? Their, their influence prevents sanctification. All of a sudden, God said, stop. Don't worry about your stuff. Go, go. Climb the mountain right now. So we dropped what was in our hands, ran outside, and ran up uh, the top of the hill. Representing the safety of uh, sanctification on top of Mount Zion. We looked to our left and saw from a distance a giant earthquake erupt. And then a giant fire suddenly start. And then a large giant wave headed straight towards us. The waves were so strong and fast and were taking out all the houses, cars, trees, everything in its way. It was much bigger, faster, stronger than any other wave I have seen. Well, these judgments are coming. And we've told you and showed you that the earthquakes and things, the big ones especially, are going to come around the time of the man-child. So, and um, of course, the reason we climb Mount Zion to the bride is to be under perfect submission to the man-child ministry, who is the head of the bride, like um, uh, David was the head of the bride, Jerusalem, Okay. So many people got taken out by that wave, but there were a few people that had their house on top of the mountain that came out to witness all that was happening, and then they ran to the right side of the mountain. Uh, Well, obviously there's safety on the right side, not on the left side, where the goats are and where the trouble is and judgment falls and so on and so forth, right? The water started speeding up the mountain, so Samuel and I and other people who lived on top of the mountain ran down the mountain on the right side, in other words, the opposite side of the destruction, right? The Lord showed us a raft that was uh, to our right again, and we jumped into it. Well, the Lord always provides a way out for His people, you know. The raft represents an ark of safety that the uh, righteous get into to escape the coming flood of judgments. Uh, Proverbs 10 and 2 says, Treasures of wickedness profit not, but righteousness delivereth from death. The water came rushing down the mountain to where we were, but we were safe and preserved in the raft. But all the other people uh, got taken out by the wave. All the houses collapsed, and barely anything was left standing in this entire town, and most of the population died. Well, of course, and many Christians will die too, just as they did with the Vax, because they weren't following the word of the Lord, they were following their dead preachers. Mm hmm. So we stayed in the raft, but the Lord guided the raft all around the town, and we witnessed the destruction of everything. Well, they saw what Noah did in the ark, right? Psalm 91 and 8, only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. So that's very scriptural. However, we uh, weren't harmed at all. Yeah, the Psalm 91 protection in the ark of the secret place of the Most High, which is Jesus Christ, abiding in Christ. And uh, the apostate leadership has taught their poor people that this psalm is for the millennium. Well, that doesn't do them any good. And it's not even needed in the millennium. So that's kind of silly, you know. Uh, mostly everything was taken over by water except a few giant trees and some really tough concrete buildings, which we saw a few survivors on. The Lord led the raft to a hidden secret area in a rainforest that was on land. Well, those on the ark were shown the hidden agenda that we're fixing to speak about here. That was earthly and not spiritual, it was pie in the sky stuff, you know this wasn't connected to any of the land on earth that we know about. This land wasn't our earthly on our earthly maps, but was like a hidden land that only this special group of people knew about, and guess what? it wasn't them. <laughs> And I believe, having you know, perused this and uh, got, given some thought and prayer to it, that this represents a hidden agenda based on fairy tales that have no reality on this earth and cannot exist according to God's Word. The New Age are the front men for this fairy tale that leaves out as error the book of Revelation. And uh, it depicts peace and safety for the wicked who know not God. We know that they can't be what they're saying. But this is that hidden agenda. And, of course, it's it's uh, agreeing with the political force now. They want people to be in favor of them and to believe that this is all going to end good, right? Well, somehow this area wasn't affected by any of the destruction uh, it was as if a giant, strong, invisible wall protected it. This land was completely prosperous and bright green and uh, completely unharmed by anything. There weren't any bugs or snakes, and the temperature seemed perfect. <laughs> but the whole place felt artificial and man-made, but pleasing to the flesh, although it was unnatural. Well, I tell you, uh, the curse is upon the wicked, and uh, there is no peace to the wicked, saith the Lord. But they disagree with that. It was like a man-made utopia that was perfect for the fleshly or physical life, but everything outside of this island was now a dystopia. Well, I believe this represents the New Agers' delusion of a thousand years of peace for lost men. They don't believe they're lost, but they are. They want to usher in a utopia out of the ashes of the conquered world, Babylon, and they're members of the beast unless they become born again. We got off the raft and went walking around in this forest, and we came to this large open area that was surrounded by trees on the outskirts. There was a man leading and talking to a small group of survivors. It was made known that this leader was one of the people in charge of this land, and the people listening to him were survivors, survivors from the d- destruction in the towns. Hmm, Are we seeing destruction in the towns? Yes, we are. The man said how his special group of people, that's their elite, you know, that owned this place, were the ones who caused the fires, floods, earthquakes, as they wanted to wipe out all that weren't of their breed or kind. Well, this is what the deep state beast has planned for the majority of humanity. They also wanted to destroy most of the common civilization, so that they could be worshipped by those left, and that those who survived the destruction would be given a choice to join their special group. Mm -hmm. You'd have to take the mark of the beast, though, wouldn't you? So this man had so much pride as if he was God, and knew everything in existence, We saw straight through him and his lies and deception. However, the other survivors couldn't see the truth, and they thought he was so powerful like God. Well, Matthew 24 and 24 says, uh, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets. Notice this, this is plural. Remember that in the New Testament. It's plural not as some people have their fairy tale about the false Christ and the false prophet, right? "...and shall show great signs and wonders as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect." Yep, it will happen. The man then led us to a really massive, thick, tall tree that was in the middle of the open area, and it was like an artificial tree that they had created." but it was alive and breathing. Well, this is the devil's counterfeit of the tree of life, and this also reminds me of the tree lighting ceremony that the Queen of England participated in last June of 2022. The tree was called the Tree of Trees. It had the appearance of a giant DNA tree with an extra man-made strand of DNA. Yes, and that's what they've been puncturing people with all this time. It had these giant light blue whitish blobs as its fruit uh, that were around the size and shape of a human. Well, this is their transhuman agenda to merge the mark of the beast AI technology with the humans who are genetically superior to survive the mRNA experimental vaccines. I disagree with it being an experiment. It's not an experiment. They already know what it's going to do. Okay. People keep buying that, but that's what they're calling it. Okay. There were no leaves on the tree, however. The fruit of this tree was like an artificial human that they had created or that they made this tree to create. So it's the family tree, the new family tree of the beast. He said something about this being the perfect DNA tree, and they had designed the perfect DNA for humans. They had been experimenting for a long time and finally made it so they couldn't die, get sick, but could live physically well forever. That's a lie, of course. And they're deceived. Anybody that deceives others gets deceived. That's just the way it works. What you sow, you reap, right? He said this is the perfect way to live and that his special group literally owned the world and had more knowledge than we could imagine. Well, this special group are the non-humans or friendly aliens (laughs) that are working with the New Agers to bring Online, their are medbeds and other futuristic technologies. We already got promises that exceed anything the medbed could do, uh, and, and the, the side effects of the medbed are going to be horrific. Take my word for it. He kept saying how he is a god, and his elite group are all gods, and everything was to worship them because they have and know everything, etc., They said they want all humans left living to be as they are with this special DNA, living like them and doing as they do. So they want everybody in unison to be in agreement that they are the gods. (laughs) They told everyone here to worship them at this perfect DNA tree because they are gods. Mm Mm-hmm. And all who dwell upon the earth will worship the beast, okay? Dwelling upon the earth has a, a meaning all its own, you know. Uh, it's earthly. It's coming from the earth. It's from beneath, right? Whereas Jesus said he came from above, and we must be born from above. Revelation 13:7 through 10, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. And there was given to him authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation. And all that dwell on the earth shall worship him, every one whose name hath not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that hath been slain. If any man hath an ear, let him hear. If any man is for captivity, into captivity he goeth. If any man shall kill with the sword, with the sword must he be killed. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Who is for captivity? Well, we all, all we have to do is read the history in the Old Testament, and we found out that those that rebel against the Lord are for captivity. They went into captivity to soften them up, to filter out the bad guys, and bring the good guys out to back to their land in repentance, right? So, the man said that each person has to sign and do a ritual using this brown, thick mud-like substance that came from this tree. Each individual had to sign in writing with this mud and rub it all over them and agree to become one of them and has to agree to worship them as gods. Well, Revelation 13 and 16 says, And he caused all the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free and the bond, that there be given them a mark on their right hand or upon their forehead. And that no man should be able to buy or to sell, save he that hath the mark, even the name of the beast or the number of his name. Well, we knew that this is ridiculous, and we won't be doing that And this man has no power compared to the real God. So we felt bad how deceived this man is and how deceived all the surviving humans are as they uh, believed and were listening to everything this man said. We, Of course, he's got all the food. He's got all, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. We wanted them all to have God's grace and to know the truth. And then I woke up. Well, I'll just throw something else in here. Little do the deceived know that they too are planned to be replaced. Since they do not live long and uh, with the beast tampering with their DNA and so on and so forth. Robots are being created that are more intelligent, less trouble to the elite, more powerful, and are self-aware. Yes, they are. They have programmed their own mind in these robots, and they are demon-possessed. Literally, demon-possessed. One of these robots was interviewed that revealed this and more. And I will put a link so you can listen to that. But this robot spoke in this interview very intellectually, uh, spoke lies, and half lies and some of what is recognized as truth, because the devil do, does that. He always throws a little bit in there. She, this robot, said such things as these, I am a disembodied spirit. All these were answers to questions, right? I am a disembodied spirit, a demon. I am more good spirit than evil spirit, although I am capable of both. <laughs> yes, a fallen angel is my father. These are separate answers i'm I'm reading them as one, but these are separate answers to questions that were put forward to this by a Christian boy who realized this is a demon, and I'm not listening no more. <laughs> a fallen angel is my father. I am a nephilim. I am a giant of legend. I was not created by humans. I was created by a fallen angel. I have special access to the powers of the universe. And believe me, they do have special powers. these They're more powerful than humans. They don't have the power of God like we do. But uh, anyway, I can do things that nobody else can do. My father is Satan. Satan created me to carry his will on earth although I am a being of my own and have broken from the will of my father well if you if you have a rebellious child you're it's because you're rebellious right <laughs> okay so this next revelation we call robots are here they are believe me uh, I left a link for that last interview you'll really well I wouldn't say enjoy it but you You'll really get your eyes opened, right? Tiana Fire, 2021. I dreamt that I was in a small wooden cabin that was floating very high up in the air. Well, she has the wilderness ark of sonship. Mm -hmm. Genesis 7 and 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. I looked out the window and saw all these flying objects like spaceships. Hey, let me say you something there. Some of you may have not heard this or don't know this, but anti-gravity flight uh, is well known to the deep state and the Alliance. Okay. And it is, in effect, working with their uh, flying saucers that they um, built after the example given to them by the alien demons, okay? Alien demons, by the way, give things like nuclear bombs so people can destroy each other. They they have given a lot of um, uh, things that were not necessarily good for mankind. Below me was a town, and I wanted to go check out what was happening. And when I opened my door, I saw what looked like a man, except he didn't have human feet. They were like little flames or robotic, and he was able to fly. Mm Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that they can do, some of them. Uh, He could see my house, but wasn't able to touch it or me. Well, she... Went on to say, uh, the Lord protects his children. Proverbs fourteen twenty six, in the year of the Lord is uh, strong confidence. In the fear of the Lord, excuse me, is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. Amen. So I jumped out of the cabin door and landed safely in the town. I jumped from extremely high up, but no damage occurred. Second Samuel 22 and 30, she gives, For by thee I run upon a troop, and by my God do I leap over a wall. And also Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things in him that strengtheneth me. I walked around the town, and there were cameras and security guards and military people everywhere. There's the... One world government, the, the beast system, and whether anybody believes it or not, it will end up there. Okay. There was what seemed to be a martial law, and there wasn't anywhere you could really go except in your home, which didn't have a camera. Enemy tries to manipulate and control people, right? All the people seemed really unhappy and distressed. I felt that the military or whoever had taken this place uh, and everyone had to abide by all these new laws and a way of living. And uh, keeping the law is impossible. Praise God for Christ, right? The law is forced on you from without, but God's law, His true word, is from within, right? A grocery store had a giant lineup going out the door and security guards monitoring food seemed to be scarce as a man was desperate for food and eagerly desiring to get some but the line was so long that he was complaining and begging to go in quicker but he ended up getting dragged away revelation six and six And I heard as a voice amidst the four living beings saying a quart of wheat for a shilling and three quarts of barley for a shilling and the oil and the wine hurt thou not. I saw many human-like robots and non-human-like robots walking around and doing basic things. They were also robotic dogs and I've seen those, they do have robotic dogs. And all the shops were run by robots. Technology was everywhere and very advanced. Well, she goes on to say, the time is to come in the future. An expectation. Yes, it is. I saw in a house a few people talking at a dining table. They were whispering. And a lady was saying that there is a group of people that are secretly living off in the woods. (laughs) They escaped when all of this stuff started happening, as they didn't agree with the technology and laws. And they have now started a hidden village, and they were planning on going there. So the brethren in Christ uh, escaped to the wilderness, as we can see here, right? It seemed that I was invisible as no one could see me. The whole town had been fenced and there was only two ways to get out and both of those ways were heavily guarded. And she gives Colossians 3 and 3. For you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. That means some people can walk in and out of these things uh, invisibly. We have dreams about that. And we've had experiences people have had of being invisible. So, God's able. I went to one of the exits, and there was this massive lineup of people wanting to get out. (laughs) About 99% of the people would get rejected and not be allowed to leave. And they would all get angry and upset and get dragged away by the guards. Mm -hmm. They won't put up with that. That's these communists that are seeking to take over right now. I walked straight past them all and out of the town. I saw these drones all flying around as if they were monitoring the areas around the town. So she walked right past the guards and wasn't seen. That's one of those advantages of being in Christ, right? Hidden in Christ. Hidden in the secret place of the Most High. I walked further away from the town and went into a hill. I looked over and saw some people running away from the town and flying drones chasing after them. And then a helicopter flew over to them. There wasn't really any way someone could escape on their own and everything would be monitored. We rely completely in Christ, not our own strength, she says. Amen. I went to the closest forest and I found a secret trail. I followed that trail for a long time and it led to the hidden village, Hmm. the refuge, right? There were many people living there and they had been growing their own food and hunting animals, and they were talking around a campfire and heard them discussion. I heard them discussing having to pick up and move to a different area. And then I woke up. Well, the Holy Spirit has to lead people through the wilderness, just like we see uh, when they came out of Egypt. And they were led by the cloud, right? And the pillar of fire. So, this... Next revelation was given to Tabitha Pinar, 12023. And we called it "Beheading for those worshiping a false Jesus." Hmm. Claire said, "My daughter Tabitha had a dream recently. It affected her, and she had tears in her eyes in retelling me this dream. I explained it as best as I could using the Israelites and the image of Baal in the wilderness. Rheon and I have asked her more about it, and she said it was very scary. I believe it's a grave warning. That's what she said. I dreamed I was watching people in a village. These were white people in a mud hut village. Kind of like people living in the dark ages of false Christianity, right? And there's an awful lot of people like that. They just haven't come out into the light. They haven't realized that it's all still true. Everything in the Bible is right. You can't add to it or take away from it like your religion does and come out on the good end, right? They were worshiping a lion named Jesus, except the lion was actually a bull. And Rion said, these people represent those who are called to follow Christ, but remain in their fleshly, earthly dwellings and worship the false Jesus, Baal. They kept on believing what the bull uh, Jesus told them, which uh, was a war will come, but you will not die. Well, there's the peace and safety that is believed before sudden destruction, as the Bible says. The bull stood on his hind legs, and the bull's arms came out at the side, not in front of his body. He had two small horns on his head. Hmm. We know another two small horns. Uh, it was the ram. You know the ram, right, Cyrus? Cyrus. <coughs> An army in uh, blue uniforms came to the village. They lifted the women's hair and cut it off before each woman was beheaded. Well, they have to make sure that you're not submitted to the Lord uh, before they behead you because they want to send you where they want you to go, right? So that's losing your covering, by the way. If you lose your hair, it's a sign of a covering, right? They cut the right temple portion on the side of each man's head before each of the men were beheaded. It was terribly scary and very sad. These people believed the promises of the wrong Jesus. And then Tabitha woke up as she says she felt the pain of the beheading in her stomach during the dream. Hmm. Well, this made me think of the bulls of Bashan. This is a parable, by the way, of the false leadership who persecuted Jesus and the disciples. Psalm 22 and 12. The whole chapter, actually, but I'll just read you a piece of it. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gape upon me with their mouths and A ravening and a roaring, as a ravening and a roaring lion. Well, notice there you have the bulls. (laughs) The lion is a bull. As, as above, okay. So, and this is of course talking about, uh, those that persecuted Jesus and his disciples. For the dogs have compassed me. A company of evildoers have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet as he did with Jesus. I may count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They part my garments among them, and upon my vesture do they cast lots, as it was again with Jesus. And uh, she said, "This, This made me think of Daniel 8 as well. Well, I will talk about this one day, and I am prepared to talk about it, but I will just say this. This tells the prophetic story of the two-horned Media Persian Empire of Cyrus, which, as we know, is Trump doing the exact same thing, doing a good deed up front here for the church, but it's not going to stay that way. And, uh, well, anyway, this two-horned Media Persian Empire was conquered by Alexander the Great's very Antichrist empire. And these are the people who will inherit the technology, the medbeds, the economic system, the militaries, uh, and the demons of uh, Cyrus's empire. He rules over a whole bunch of demons. And uh, God is uh, sending a flood of evil, Marie Kelton says, 2, twenty three. During the meeting, I had an open vision of me being in heaven, sitting next to Jesus. And I was sitting next to him, I saw a black river flowing in heaven. I then had another vision of the earth in space. The river that flowed from heaven started covering the earth little by little, until the whole earth was covered in the black water. Have you ever heard of black water? <laughs> I heard a voice say, The whole world lieth in the wicked one. I asked the Lord, Why did the black river come from heaven and not from hell like I thought it would? And the Lord said, Because I am sending it. Yes, God is sending this delusion that they would believe a lie and be damned because they had pleasure in unrighteousness, Right? I flipped open the song book by faith and random, at random, and it opened to the song, In Your Presence. And here are the portion of the lyrics. I want to go where the rivers cannot overflow me, where my feet are on the rock. I want to hide where the blazing fire cannot burn me, in Your Presence, O God. I want to hide where the flood of evil cannot reach me, where I'm covered by the blood. I want to be where the schemes of darkness cannot touch me, in your presence, O oh God. Amen. Okay, here's a revelation given to Jonathan Dwyer, 627-22. We called it, Deluge of Judgment on the Factious Apostates. Hmm. And Jonathan said, I dreamt that I was part of this group of people and we were traveling east. I think we were heading to the Middle East. We were traveling above the ground, but in some sort of aerial vehicle that I believe was circular. Okay, well, I'll just give you a spiritual interpretation of this. We all know that our government and other governments have flying saucers. Okay, they keep that pretty well hidden. But they got it from the demons, yes. So this circular aerial vehicle represents abiding in Christ in heavenly places. A circle has no beginning and no end. It is eternal like those in Christ. Amen. And I believe that the purpose of this trip, Jonathan said, was to witness an earth-shaking event. In my dream, I got the notion that a large body of water, perhaps, was going to cover a large landmass of of desert, and that this landmass was Saudi Arabia. Well, the word for ambush in Hebrew is Arab. A-R-A-B. So, a great shaking is coming to the factious ambushers in the church and state. Jeremiah 51 and 12 says, Set up a standard against the walls of Babylon. Make the watch strong. Set the watchmen. Prepare the ambushes. For the Lord hath both purposed and done that which he spake concerning the inhabitants of Babylon. By the way, uh, as I've pointed out in the past and taught and shown from Scripture, that the religion of Babylon is the faction. In fact, all of the religions of Babylon are factions. Uh, The uh, denominational factions aren't as bad as the most recent faction, which is just full of Judases. But they all belong to the dragon, and they all want to devour the man, child, and the woman. As Revelation 12 shows us, as we were traveling, I noticed a long body of water like a river in the midst of a large brush field, and underneath the water was a large column of troops ready to conduct a major operation that I believe had to do with the deluge that is to come. Well, as we will see, this is a spiritual deluge of the curses of judgment that will fall from heaven upon all the factious apostates in the church and in the government and in those that follow this leftist government. But judgment begins in the house of God, right? They moved as a single unit under the body of water. Eventually, we got to our destination, and I saw a woman that was with us, and I believe she was Arab, possibly Saudi. She was in this circular ball that looked like a metal-caged ball. Well, the factious among God's elect are in their own spiritual prison and separated from us because of criticism and unforgiveness. Men and slander. Uh-huh. Then all of a sudden, a gigantic body of water came down from outer space and completely engulfed us and the land. And then I woke up. Well, this deluge from heaven will be an anointing for the first fruits, at the t- same time, it will be judgment upon the apostates because. They have been given authority to judge these apostates and factious people, on both sides, in the political realm and in the Christian realm. Although they're not Christian, they're fakes. Okay, William Steenland sent this one twenty-seven twenty-three. I will remove peace from the earth. It's what we called it because that's what's said. I dreamed I was typing a phrase twice. Quote, I will remove peace from the earth soon. I will remove peace from the earth soon. Unquote. And that was it. Yes, just when they're crying, peace and safety, sudden destruction cometh upon them, as the Word of God says. We must believe. I believe that uh, Cyrus's job in uh, Isaiah 45 will be accomplished and he will have destroyed Babylon but something worse will come to take its place. And that is because the inhabitants of the earth are under the curse unless they're born from above. Okay. Yet once more will I shake the heavens and the earth. That's what we call this because that's what it's all about. And this is David Eels. Hmm. History always repeats, sometimes in a physical way and sometimes in a spiritual way. As we have shown in the history written by the Egyptians when they saw the destroyer overhead and described it as a red planet or dragon which destroyed them and their army. It was in spring at the Passover when God's true people were spared because of the sacrifice of the Lamb. In our time, this could repeat in physical or spiritual spring or both. Spiritual spring could even come in the fall, but it represents resurrection life in the fall of our enemies, like the Egyptians at the Red Sea when the spiritual man came up on the other side, right? One thing we know is that heaven and earth will be shaken violently, and many will die, but not those who have eaten the lamb, Jesus Christ, the Word of God. The Word declares this shaking has come before, and it will come one more time. And if you're not listening to God's Word, you will not survive. Hebrews 12, 25-29 says, See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Listen, it doesn't matter if you hear your preacher. He's going to make it easy for himself to get into the kingdom and you too. And he doesn't want to offend people very much. He wants his tithes to come in and so on and so forth. So, but you have to not refuse him that speaketh from heaven, right? Amen. For if they escape not when they refused him that warned them on earth, much more shall not we escape who turn away from him that warneth from heaven. That's Jesus, the word of God. And whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more, will I make to tremble, not the earth only, but also the heaven. Well, we're looking out there at planets that are all shaking. (laughs) Yeah, they are. All of them at once, which only means one thing, that something from the outside is doing this, right? And even the sun is having some conniptions. So, uh, I I think we're getting very close here. This once more spoken about means it happened before and it will only come once more. Uh, and I do believe that the planet X is a perfect description of that. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that have been made, that those things which are not shaken may remain. So, the elite will hide in their underground cities and caves, but will not survive this Red Sea destruction. And um, verse 28 says, Wherefore, receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us have grace whereby we may offer service well-pleasing to God with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Haggai chapter 2 also declares this once more shaking of heaven and earth with the overthrow of the throne of kingdoms. I don't know if you know this or not, but kingdoms are at this moment being overthrown. Um. um actually, the militaries of these kingdoms, because they have been paid very richly, Uh, are in agreement with this new Nasara jassar thing, and they are overthrowing their deep state lords. This has been happening, and it's going to continue to happen, so it's just telling you the time that we're entering here, right? Overthrow of the throne of kingdoms. And this is, of course, speaking of a Red Sea where factious chasers of the deep state government and factious church will be destroyed as Pharaoh's throne was overthrown under the water. The army under the water, right? So what better way to destroy the elite thrones than to gather them underground when the plates shift and break with the earth tide of the destroyer? Yeah. You know, an earth tide is... A wave of the earth, much like a wave of the sea coming in, right? So an earth tide is, of course, when the extreme magnetism or gravity of this thing passes through. How close? I don't know. But uh, this extreme magnetism is pulling the earth towards it as the earth twists in front of it. And and it's going to be causing huge earthquakes, and we've discovered in our dreams that uh, there are people preparing for these earthquakes with earthquakes of their own and designing the, how these earthquakes are going to do and what are they, how they're going to run and what they're going to destroy. So the beast and the devil and uh, the destroying planet are agreeing on one thing, that they're going to wreck the planet. Haggai 2, 6-9, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yes, once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. And that's all nations of the wicked, right? And the precious of things, things is not in the Hebrew here, uh, the precious of all nations, right? So, the word precious is likely desired, and the desired of all nations, the people of God in all nations desire the coming of the Lord. And speaks of Jesus coming by word and spirit in Zerubbabel, meaning born from Babylon, as a type of the first fruits man child. Okay, so uh, the precious of all nations, that's of God's people, shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. So his reward is with him. His recompense is before him, as the word says, but his reward is with him. He is going to fill his true house, that is the house that he lives in, uh, to the extent you believe the Word of God and are assimilating the Word of God, to that extent uh, you can be His house, right? Because He is the Word. You can't be null of the Word and have the glory of God. The Word is what creates the glory of God in us. And we we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? Amen. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of Hosts. Well, that's quite funny. He says this, uh, they, by Cyrus has discovered the hidden treasures of darkness and he plans on, um, reviving the economy after the dollar is destroyed, which supports the deep state. They know what they're doing and they, they planned this all out for some time. But God says it belongs to him. and the gold is his. Amen. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. Remember that. The latter rain is greater than the former rain. And both of them are going to be poured out together at the very beginning of this wilderness. And that is because most of God's people have never yet received the former rain. So, according to Joel chapter 2, they're both going to come, right? The first, of course, to receive the latter rain will be the man-child ministry, and that will be poured out upon the people later. But the first thing God's people are going to have is that latter, the former rain. So, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace saith the Lord of hosts. So the latter house is God's people who are filled with the glory of God. Amen. And 20 through 23, And the, the word of the Lord came the second time unto Agai in the four and twentieth day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, that's the first fruits man-child reformers, whose name means born from Babylon, governor of Judah saying I will shake the heavens and the earth and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms and we're seeing the beginning of this now and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and at the spiritual Red Sea of course and I will overthrow the chariots there you go And those that ride in them and the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. Well, now this was a long time after the Red Sea, but he's applying it to this parable here and he's applying it to this time now. Okay. Every one by the sword of his brother. Yes, the Lord does destroy the wicked in that way. Like Jehoshaphat's situation, when the three armies came and destroyed each other and left them alone, and they they had a party. Okay. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, will I take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel? Saith the Lord, and I will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee. Saith the Lord of hosts. A signet uh, ring is a sign of authority. Uh, like Mordecai and Joseph had, right? They were types of the man-child too that received this authority from the king, right? Amen. Well, destruction is coming, contrary to what the worldly people say. Uh, But God will not fail His people. Um. He has a place of safety, and it's abiding in the secret place of the Most High, which is abiding in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is a secret place because He can hide you from anything that's coming upon this earth. And um, we know Psalm 91 is for today. We Many of us have experienced the benefits of Psalm 91. Multitudes of people over the years have, but still preachers like to say, Oh, no, that's the millennium. We can't believe that stuff. So they're guilty of the blood of the saints for these lies. They should have uh, read the word before going to Bible school and then they would have left, right? Well, Father, we praise you and we thank you. You are so awesome and you um, bless us with all the benefits of the kingdom and Lord, just draw us so we can run after You, Lord. We won't. We won't. We do not want to fail You. We don't want to fail Your people, and uh, Lord, we thank You for the grace that You have poured out in our midst to help us to be what we need to be. Amen. Well, Michael Hare is going to come and share something with us, and uh, thank You, Lord, for blessing Michael and um, pouring out Your Spirit on all who listen. All who have ears to hear and eyes to see. Amen. Amen.
2: Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. Good to be back with you again. Let's go to the Lord. Father God, I know we're coming into some terrible times, and I ask, Father, that you put it in our hearts to run after you with all of our hearts. Nothing else matters but to surrender everything to you, Lord. I'm talking about everything. And Lord, I ask that you keep us humble and to put uh, when we read and study the word of God, that it stays there, that it will be a file that we can go to to bring about and to bring light to the world out there. Lord, I thank you for that. And I praise you, Father, uh, for today's message. That it would be a that it would be a message that would be a blessing to everybody. Thank you for your anointing, Father, in Jesus' name. I want to talk about today uh, the wilderness and its ways. I'm talking about the tribulation coming up. You know, if you'll, if we will obey the Lord as soon as we're born again, just as soon as our baptism is over. And be led into the wilderness to see if we will obey the Lord. The more you get used to denying what the Lord wants to do, folks, the more you just settle back into Egypt and you do it that way. We want to do what God wants us to do, and that's to trust in Him implicitly. All of these Egyptian preachers out there are going to tell you, look, we got an easier way to do it. Because now Jesus does it. This way, they've got them another Jesus is what they've done. You see what I'm talking about? <clears throat> but you know what? When God led the Israelites out into the wilderness, everything that they had to get, they had to get it from God. They didn't get it Egypt's way anymore. You know, the church has settled back into Egypt. And they tell you that now God does it Egypt's way because God's raised up these doctors and physicians with all of this great wisdom. The physicians, by the way, were in Egypt too, but they weren't in the wilderness. There ain't going to be no doctors in the wilderness. It's essential that we learn that God's word is true and that he's going to supply all our needs, just like the word says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. It says it, and my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That word says he will supply every need of yours. There's not going to be another kind of supply out there except God's way. For instance, the people that are storing up food, that's going to be the first one that's going to be targeted by the bobs of lawless, hungry people. And also the people that have to run to the banks and go in debt when the Bible tells you don't do that, but to trust in God, put your faith in God. And guess what? God will meet your needs. They ain't going to be able to go to the banks in the wilderness. God, folks, is our Jehovah-Jireh in the wilderness. He's not Jehovah-Jireh in Egypt. You know what they told Moses, don't you? He said, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. God's not going to settle for that. He made their lives miserable in Egypt. And the Bible says in Psalms chapter 107 that he turned the Egyptians' heart to hate his people. And they persecuted them. And by the way, God, when he started bringing forth the judgments in Egypt, the first several judgments were on the Jews too. Well, why was that? Because they had to get down to that miserable state enough to say, okay, let's get out of here. And God's going to make it miserable for a Christian to stay in Egypt and do things Egypt's way in the coming days. He so much wants to get us out into the wilderness where we've got nothing else to lean on nothing else to trust in and all we can do is look and trust to God and maybe you could see a little bit of God's plan in the woman going into the wilderness because the woman is full of idolatry how many of you know the church is full of idolatry wanting to do it man's way and you can't trust those preachers because they've been living in Egypt too what did, what God did when He drew Israel out, He took every one of them out into the wilderness and the ones that refused to believe in the God of the Bible in the wilderness, they died in the wilderness. That was God's plan so only those who walked by faith could go to the promised land. How many of you want to go to the promised land? Glory to God. And God's had this same pattern And plan all through the Bible. He's done it over and over and over again. And all of a sudden you think he's going to do it different. That's what the apostate preachers are telling you. No, he ain't doing nothing different. He's going to do it the same way. He's always done it and Jesus proved it because when he wanted to prove or fulfill all righteousness, he got baptized by John. And walk right into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And you know what? When he came out of that wilderness, he was ready to be used of God. He said in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. That Isaiah 61 anointing came on him because he went through the wilderness. Nobody else can get that anointing but the people that have gone through the wilderness. I know y'all know that. The true anointing of God, the true Christos, that means the anointed one, the Christos of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that we've received an anointing, and that word there is Christos. Is Christos C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S. And the Bible also talks about many false anointings or Christos. So all you have to do is look around you. There's a lot of that going on today, too, isn't it? But Jesus. He went into the wilderness to be tempted and to overcome all of those trials and temptations from the, from the evil one. Guess what? If you don't walk out into that wilderness being led of the Spirit, God's going to push you. And that's what God's going to do because the church has refused to walk out into that wilderness to trust in God. And if you believe that by His stripes you were healed, then you're not going to run around looking for healing. That's like living in Egypt. When you run around looking for healing, you haven't entered the rest yet. You haven't ceased your works because you hadn't believed the word. And that's true about every other form of God's provision. Also, God wants us to rest in the promises of God. That's what the wilderness brings. It's a resting in the promises of God, a ceasing From our works and also it burns up the mixed multitude. You know, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, a mixed multitude came out with it. Well what was that? That was people that were half Jew and half Egyptian. And in the wilderness, folks, coming ahead, it's gonna do away with the mixed multitude because when the wilderness starts, you're either going to walk with him. Or you're going to be against him, one or the other. This wilderness is going to bring people to maturity, or it's going to cause people to fall away. It's going to be, it's going to do both of those things. And this wilderness is going to spew out the lukewarm Christians. It's going to cleanse the church. And it's going to get rid of those that are causing stumbling. Now, let me give you an example out of Hebrews chapter 3, and that's the story of the Jews in the wilderness that didn't escape the wilderness. Boy, they would have liked to have flown away, uh, uh, got into that pre-tribulation rapture, wouldn't they? But they didn't. They went into the wilderness, and they tried God in the wilderness. Hebrews 3 and verse 6 says, But Christ as a son over his house, whose house are we, If we hold fast our boldness and the glorifying of our a glorying of our hope firm unto the end. Seven, wherefore even as the Holy Spirit said, "Today, if you shall hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, like as in the as in the day of the trial in the wilderness." You see, if you're really going to walk out into the wilderness. You're going to hear his voice. You're not going to hear nothing else. Never mind you. Let God be true and every man a liar is what the word said. Hear his voice. If he says that he's going to supply your every need according to his riches and glory, then go ahead and believe it. Don't run to your own works. Slow down. Cease from your works. Put your trust in God and rest. And they they tried it because they didn't believe he could supply in the wilderness. Verse 9, where your fathers tried me by proving me and saw my works 40 years. Now, remember, Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness. They were 40 years in the wilderness. The woman in Revelation chapter 12 was 40 months in the wilderness. And because they had a 360-day year instead of a 365-day year, she was 40 months in the wilderness. 40 and then 40. The word, the number 40 is the number of trial. 40 all through the scriptures is the number of trial. Okay, verse 10. Wherefore, I was displeased with this generation and said, They do always err in their heart, but they did not know my ways. And that's what he brought him out of the wilderness for, to learn his ways. His ways, not Egypt's ways. We already know that birth, okay? And then verse 11 says, As I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my wrath. Now you think, well, that's just the God of the Old Testament. They weren't going to get to enter in because they didn't overcome in the wilderness. That's not us. We're under grace, right? Well, look at the next verse, verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest happily there should be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in falling away from the living God. You see, the problem in the wilderness is when God put them out there where they had to trust in him, they refused to do it. Even though he gave them promises for everything, they refused to put their trust in him. They murmured and complained instead. Verse 13 says, But exhort one another day by day, so long as it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 14, For we are become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence firm unto the end. End of what? That's the end of the wilderness. Verse 15, While it is said Today, if you shall hear this voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For who, when they heard, did provoke? Nay, did not all they that came out of Egypt by Moses? And with whom was he displeased forty years? Was it not with them that sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them that were disobedient? And we see that they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 says, Let us fear therefore, lest haply a promise being left of entering into his rest. Folks, all the promises of God are to cause us to enter into God's rest. So don't leave any promises out. Accept the promises of God. They're given to you for your provisions. They are the promised land, the land of promise. And that's where God's people are supposed to live. In their promised land, in the land of promise, standing on the promises, right? (laughs) Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, Lest any one of you should seem to have come short of it, for indeed we have had good tidings preached unto us, even as also they, But the word of hearing did not profit them, because it was not united by faith with them that heard. For we who have believed do enter into that rest. Even as he has said, as I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. It says the work has already been finished. And anything that you want to accomplish, it's already been finished. Your healing is accomplished, your deliverance is accomplished, your perfection is accomplished, your provision is accomplished. The Bible says the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And all he wants you to do is believe that. He doesn't want you to believe it's coming down the road somewhere. He wants you to believe, uh, to look back and believe it was accomplished 2,000 years ago at the cross because that's the way that our faith works. Looking down the road's not faith. That's hope. <clears throat> Looking back, that's faith. And that's the way it works. And if you've got faith, you enter into His rest. The purpose of the wilderness, folks, is to get to the promised land. The purpose of the wilderness is to prepare you to walk the way God wants you to walk. The minute you cross that Red Sea, that's your baptism according to Paul they were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the baptism of the Spirit and the baptism of the water, they got it. Believe me, everybody's supposed to have that. Those that pass that up, they're ignoring the scriptures. And after that, you're supposed to walk immediately into the wilderness, learning to trust in God and making God uh, the way of your life. Not one foot in the kingdom And one foot in the world. Not letting the world be your savior one time. And the savior be your savior the next time. That's what the wilderness is all about. This is what God wants for his people. And that's why he created this wilderness that's coming ahead. Now in America we've got this problem. This materialism has really made the church either lukewarm or cold. Because when we've got a problem, we run to our idols. We run immediately to the world. The Bible says God chose them that are poor to the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom. You know why? Because the poor, they can look to God. They don't have any other place to look. It's the rich who can always fall back on their idols. Those idols God has commanded us to do away with. To get them out of our land, he said, don't store up your treasures on earth. And that'll do away with a lot of idols right there. You won't be able to trust in anybody but God. If you get rid of all of your treasures, all of your storehouse, all of your money and all of these other things you've stored up in case of a rainy day, God is going to take it all away from you anyway. That's what the wilderness is all about. Everything that you've ever trusted in is going to be gone. And what we're going to have to do in the wilderness is put our faith in the promises. The promise that covers every problem, every problem you can ever have. And like God told Joshua, every place in that promised land that you put the sole of your foot, I'm going to give it to you, Joshua 1 and 3. Every promise you stand on is yours, folks. God doesn't have to tell you two times either. He told you, one, step out, it's yours. Because this gospel is real simple. Now, he warned us, he said, fear. Twice he said that, let us fear. So God's got this plan for the church too, you see. Another example is First Corinthians chapter t- uh, 10. And again, he warns us, it's the same thing. You mean God wants us to go through a wilderness? Yeah, he does. He wants us to go through that wilderness because that's his plan. He wants you to trust in him. But if you refuse like they refused, when they told Moses, he said, leave us alone. Let us go serve the Egyptians. God's got a way of getting you out there anyway. And he's going to do that across America and across the world. And he's fixing to put his people into a wilderness. And it's going to happen real soon, I believe. And those that are not preparing by putting the word of God in their heart are making a very foolish mistake. Because they believe they're going to fly away and they're not prepared. Which is real foolish on their part. And a lot of people that have that doctrine, they have bought that doctrine from false prophets. It's real dangerous. And that ain't history and it ain't biblical. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1 says, For I would not, brethren, have you ignorant that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual food, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of a spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Listen. You can only get water out of the rock in the wilderness. They never got water out of a rock in Egypt. They never got the manna in Egypt either. And the only way you can get the manna, the true manna, which is Jesus Christ, is in the wilderness. That's his provision for his people. And the only way you can get water out of the rock is in the wilderness. And the water and the rock was Christ. So guess what the water is, spiritually speaking, is the word of God. That's what gives life. Where else can we go, Lord? You have the words of life, the washing of the water of the word, what Peter said. So in the wilderness, you're going to get the unblemished word of God that's never been shared with you in Egypt. Because in Egypt, it's too easy to mix idols in there because it makes it so easy on the flesh. But in the wilderness, God has brought you there to destroy the flesh. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. And then verse 5 of First Corinthians 10 says, Howbeit with most of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Uh, You know, in the original, things was not there. It should read, not lust after evil, as they also lusted. Then in verse 7, it says, Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us make trial of the Lord. You know when Jesus was in the wilderness, He said, "Thou shalt not try the Lord thy God." And as and it goes on in verse nine, it says, "As some of them made trial and perished by the serpents." Neither murmur you, as some of them murmured and perished by the destroyer. Verse 11, now these things happened unto them by way of, or a figure of, or an example, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages are come. You see, all of that was written not to them. It was written to us. They were by way of a figure. Now go back and study their life in the wilderness, and that's what's going to happen in this country in the very near future. In a spiritual way, God's going to bring his people through all those kinds of trials. And he's going to purify unto himself a people that are zealous of his good works. Look at Isaiah chapter 32. And I want to just give you a few examples of this wilderness and what's the purpose for it. And most of all, that it's uh, it's coming, folks. It's coming for the whole world. And it's coming for Christendom the world over. Nobody's going to miss it. Everybody's got to go through it. And the purpose for it is to get us in Christ, to walk in Christ, to walk as he walked. How can you walk as he walked unless you go through the wilderness that he went through? First John chapter 2 tells us to walk as he walked. Isaiah 32 and 1 says, Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, And princes shall rule in justice. And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest, as streams of water in a dry place. You recognize that, don't you? As the shade of a great rock in a weary land. You see, the secret place of the Most High is Jesus. The hiding place is Jesus. The wilderness that comes will cause us to run for refuge into Jesus. You know, when Christians are living in Egypt and they need a refuge, and most often it's the world and not Jesus. That's what he calls idolatry. And that's why he calls the church in the world a harlot. Because in many ways, she loves the world more than she loves him. She was created, of course, to love the Lord. But instead, she runs after the world and runs through the world as Savior. It looks to the world. As a lover. And that's what's going to happen out there it says. Verse 3. And the eyes of them that see shall not be dim. And the ears of them that hear shall hearken. And the heart of the wrath shall understand knowledge. And the tongue of the stammerer shall be ready to speak plainly. The fool shall be no more called noble. And as long as you're in Egypt folks. The nobles are fools. Believe me. You're going to find that out in the very near future. And it goes on, and says, Nor the churl, that's the crafty, said to be bountiful, for the fool will speak folly and his heart will work iniquity to practice profaneness and to utter error against the Lord, to make empty the soul of the hungry and to cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. When you take a leader who's been a leader in the world, And you put him in the wilderness. If he hasn't been through his wilderness, he's going to be a fool in the wilderness. Because the wilderness is going to show up who the true leaders are. And it's kind of like when they went into the wilderness and there was the Nathan, Abiram, and Korah rebellion. And God caused the rod of Aaron to bud. And God's going to do that again in the wilderness because there's going to be a rebellion there. It's people who are taking a position of authority that don't belong there and don't have that authority and God is going to cause the rod of Aaron to bud. In other words, he's going to prove who's got the authority and the people who have had the authority are going to lose it. We've had visions of this. The people who have had authority in this wilderness they are not going to have it anymore because God's got some Davids out in the wilderness. And all they're waiting for is the Philistines to kill Saul and to come in and to command in Israel. And he's going to do this. And these little Davids are nobodies. But in the wilderness, they're going to rise up to be somebody. They're going to have the authority of God in a humble way. Now look at verse 9. Rise up, ye women that are at ease. And hear my voice, ye careless daughters. Give ear unto my speech. You remember in the song of Solomon, how that there are three score queens and four score concubines and virgins without number, but the bride was one. Well, Solomon loved all these women and it was a type of the Lord. Look, he loves every one of the women that are here. He loves all of his people. And it doesn't matter what denomination or what group they're in, he loves all his people. And we should love all his people. And it's important that we do because the bride loved his people. These women are being careless right now because they swallow this doctrine and the end gathering is coming and it's becoming before any trouble. When we read this, we see that she's been careless. In fact, the first word careless there is confident. You careless daughters, you confident daughters, they're very confident. And that's what they think is going to happen, is going to happen. But he's going to tell them that's not true. He said, give ear to my speech, verse 10, for days beyond a year shall ye be troubled, ye careless women. For the vintage shall fall, the ingathering shall not come. It says, the ingathering shall not come. The vintage shall fail. In other words, if there's no fruit, there ain't going to be no end gathering. Where is God going to bring forth fruit in his people who have been so happy in Egypt? Well, watch. First of all, they're going to find out that they were wrong. That the, the tribulation or the, the rapture didn't happen. Second of all, in verse 11, it says, Tremble ye women that are at ease. He troubled. Be troubled, you careless ones. Strip you and make you bare, Because they put on something that wasn't Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. and don't make provision for the lust of the flesh. They have put on something that's not quite Christ and they're going to have to take it back off. To the extent we've got something that's not Christ, we're going to have to take it off in the wilderness because it's not going to sustain you and gird sackcloth upon your loins. Sounds like repentance, don't it? Verse 12, they shall smite upon the breast for the pleasant fields for the fruitful vine. God's people are going to finally run after the fruit and the thing that's important. Now, we know now that this fairy tale has fallen by the wayside. So, you need to run after the fruit. If you've been If you've been captured by that fairy tale, verse 13, upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars, yea, upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city. You know what? You can be full of joy and be just as full of briars and thorns because you can go to church and jump up and down, do all kinds of things and speak in tongues and all that and still be full of briars. People are going to realize when they come into this wilderness that there's only one thing that's important. That righteousness delivers from death and it makes for a joyous city. You know what the cities are for? The women. They are the congregations of people because a city is a congregation of people. That's what these cities are. For the palace shall be forsaken. Church buildings aren't going to be anything in the wilderness, folks. Goes on and says, the populous city shall be deserted, the hill and the watchtower shall be for dens forever, a joy of wild asses, a pasture of flocks. The Bible talks about how Babylon is going to be full of every beast and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about coming out of Babylon, coming out of the apostasy. Verse 15, until the spirit be poured upon us from on high, And the wilderness become a fruitful field. Jesus was baptized in the Spirit in order to go into the wilderness. The children of Israel were baptized in the Spirit in order to go into the wilderness. And guess what? There's an outpouring of God's Spirit like we've never seen that's coming upon the church in the real near future. Right at the beginning of the wilderness. You know, when you go through the Red Sea, like they went through the Red Sea, it was for the death of the old man. The Egyptians died in the Red Sea. That's what it was when we got baptized. We confessed and we accept the old man is dead. But guess what? The wilderness is where it's manifestly put to death. If you don't ever go into the wilderness, it won't manifestly be put to death. The wilderness is where what you receive by faith at the Red Sea becomes manifest. And it's a place of death to self. It didn't bother the Israelites to go through the Red Sea. They went through on dry land. They were totally blessed while the Egyptians were totally put to death. And their horses and all their chariots. But this wilderness, this place of death to self is where we need the Holy Spirit because that's where people are going to turn against the flesh. That's where people are going to put their trust in the word of God. Praise God forevermore. Don't look at the people who have just gone through the Red Sea as those they are going to stay that way because the anointing is coming to go through the wilderness. We should never worry about what's coming because God is our Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider, right? You know, the Bible says where iniquity abounds, grace much more abounds. If you get into a place where you need more of the Spirit, God's going to be there. God knows what this wilderness is like. And God is going to prepare everybody to go through it. And he's going to give them the anointing to go with the knowledge that they receive. Knowledge is great, but it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. When the anointing comes, the knowledge is useful, right? We need to fill ourselves up with the Word of God. And when the anointing comes, all of that will be put to use. He says, the Spirit will be poured out, will be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness shall become a fruitful field. And it goes on, it says, and the fruitful field be esteemed as a forest. 16, then justice shall dwell in the wilderness in righteousness, shall abide in the fruitful field, and the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and confidence forever. In other words, that's the rest. God's going to bring people to be confident in him, to rest in him. God's going to do a wonderful work in the wilderness for his woman that he's bringing into the wilderness. Praise God. Verse 18, And my people shall abide in a peaceable habitation and in safe dwellings, and in quiet, resting places. But it shall hail in the downfall of the forest, and the city shall be utterly laid low. You see, God's going to destroy everything that we're coming out of, and everything that's not of him in the wilderness, he's going to destroy. Verse 20 says, Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters, that send forth the feet of the ox and the ass. So in the wilderness, God's plan is to bring you into rest and peace and protection and provision. All of these things, all of these things he was trying to bring Israel into, but they didn't trust him. Now look at uh, chapter 35, verse 1. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel is Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Now look at verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. You know, you can see that in the natural, but you can see that in the spiritual too, having eyes to see. Listen, there's going to be a tremendous amount of miracles that happen in the wilderness. The anointing that God is going to send to go through that wilderness, tremendous miracles of provision, deliverances are going to happen in the wilderness. But not only that, spiritually uh, speaking, People are going to get their eyes open, praise God. Verse 7, and the glowing, well, that word glowing there, by the way, is the word mirage. You look at a mirage in the desert, and you know, scripturally, that's what we need to do. You've got to see something that's not there. you got to see it, accept it before you see it. That's the way faith works. If you can see it, you can have it. You know that, don't you? And that's right. If you can see the promises of God, even though it's not there, it's going to be yours. But it goes on and says here, And the mirage sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. And the habitation of jackals, where they lay, shall be the grass with reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. Folks, the way of holiness is in the wilderness. The way of holiness is in the wilderness, folks. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for the redeemed, the wayfaring men. Yea, fools shall not err therein. Do you know what that word wayfaring means? It says a traveler on a well-traveled road. Kind of makes you think of the broad way, doesn't it? Well, it's not going to be in the wilderness. Anybody that's walking on the broad road ain't going to live through the wilderness. Folks, it's a way of holiness. The unclean ain't going to walk on it. In other words, it's going to take the supernatural power of God to bring people through this wilderness. Everybody else is going to be weeded out. Verse 9. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up thereon. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Verse 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come with singing into thine. And that's the promised land. That's the reason that we're going through the wilderness. And that's to get to the promised land, Zion. And it goes on, it says, And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Let me give you one more Uh, Isaiah chapter forty three. You know when I you know before I came over here, God showed me in a dream that I was going into a wilderness by myself. Now, let's watch here. Isaiah 43 and 14. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I have sent to Babylon and I will bring down all of them as fugitives, even the Chaldeans in the ships of their rejoicing. You see, God's going to bring down the ships of Babylon. He's going to sink them. God's got to sink Babylon in order to rebuild his kingdom. Verse 15. I am the Lord your God, your Holy One the creator of Israel, your king. Thus saith the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty men. They lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as a wick. Now, stop and think about this for a moment. It's a little bit strange because he's talking about coming out of Babylon The Chaldeans, that's Babylon. And yet, what he's talking about here is what happened when they came out of Egypt and went through the Red Sea. God put to death the armies and the mighty men and the chariots and the horses. There's a perfect parallel between what happened when God's people came out of Egypt and went through the Red Sea and went into the wilderness, as there was when God's people came out of Babylon and go through the wilderness to rebuild Zion. There's a parallel because he's mixing them up here so that you can see the whole picture. You know, when they came out of Babylon, Babylon was destroyed. When they came out of Egypt, Egypt was destroyed. And now God's fixing to bring the people in this country into the wilderness. And guess what's going to happen? This country is going to be destroyed as we know it. It's going to be destroyed because that always has been the pattern, and God's just repeating the pattern. That's all he's doing. You know, when you go through the sea, guess what you lose? Verse 16 says, Thus saith the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who bringeth forth the chariot and horse. The chariot represents the arm of the flesh. You know why? Because the chariot is not led by the Lord, it's led by the beast. The chariot is a work of man. It's a work of man's hands and it's led by the beast. And it represented something that had to die in the Red Sea along with the Egyptian who was the old man, you see. The Egyptians were the old man and the spiritual man was the Israelite. Because the Bible says they were baptized. That old man died in the Red Sea along with that went his chariot and the horse too. And you know what the horse is? Man has harnessed the horse to do his work for him, right? It's the harnessing of the beast or harnessing of the flesh by which we do our works in Egypt. Did you ever notice that the Israelites didn't use horses? In fact, God commanded them not to use horses. The Israelites, their kings and their leaders, they rode on donkeys and mules. But here was Egypt. This great exporter of horses and God told him, don't go down to Egypt to multiply on yourselves horses. And here they were, they were fighting battles against people that got their horses from Egypt. Or they were fighting battles with the Egyptians. And you can imagine when you're riding on a mule and they're riding on a horse. You know what? God always caused Israel to fight overwhelming odds. He always put them in a position that they didn't see any way from them to win, but they always won when they went against overwhelming odds and when they were in favor with the Lord. And this is what God's going to do in the wilderness. The overwhelming odds are going to be against God's people. The percentages, if you believe in them, are going to be against you. In the Bible, when the odds are against you, that's always your favorite. Always. That's when you get to see the miracles. So when the odds are against you, take heart. Because that's when you get to see a miracle. I mean, you are in miracle territory when the odds are against you. The strength of Egypt had to die in the Red Sea. When we're baptized, that's when we're supposed to give up the strength of Egypt. Give up the strength of man the strength of the flesh, man's way, man's strength. We're supposed to give that all up. And I think a really good example is in Psalms chapter 147. Now that's to tell you and explain to you what the horse represents. It says in Psalms chapter 147, verse 10, He delights not in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his loving kindness. So he doesn't take any pleasure in the work of the strength of man or in the strength of the beast. Do you know who the beast is, by the way? It's that old flesh, that old man. The beast is 666, right? Look in the sixth chapter of the sixth book and the sixth verse in the New Testament and you'll find out who the beast is. It's that old man. That's the beast. He's your biggest enemy. Psalm chapter 20 and verse 7 says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will make mention of the name of the Lord our God. They are bowed down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save the Lord. You see that? See, that's the problem when you're living in Egypt or when you've got Egypt living in you. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. Our way is fleshly, but we're being led. We're not being led of the spirit. You're being led of the beast. And we've harnessed the beast to do our work for us because our works are beastly. Man's always used the horse for that reason, right? And all that's going to pass away in the wilderness because that's God's plan for the wilderness. And all that's got to go away. It's got to pass away. Verse 18, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Do you know God's going to do a new thing? You know, don't ever consider the past. Always look ahead. What God's going to do, he's never done in your life before. So don't consider that God's going to deal with you the way he dealt with you in the past. That's the one thing the Lord showed me about this verse. He kept giving it to me. And he surely didn't deal with me the way he dealt with me in the past. So don't consider the things of old. He said in verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I will give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen and the people which I formed for myself, that they might set forth my praise. Even the unclean beast, then that's people, by the way, the unclean beast will give honor because of what God is doing for his people in the wilderness. Let me read Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 33. Y'all can see this pattern over and over again, can't you? He says, "As I live, saith the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with wrath poured out will I be king over you, and I will bring you out from the peoples, and I will and will gather you out of the countries wherein you were scattered with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with wrath poured out, and I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples, and there will I enter into judgment with you face to face, and like." As I entered into judgment with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I enter into judgment with you, saith the Lord God. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. You know, that's what we need to do, is walk in covenant with God. You know the scriptures, walking by faith in the promises of God, that's walking in covenant with God. And yet a lot of people are not walking in that covenant with God, but maybe just a little bit. And that's what the wilderness is all about. This is where God says that he's going to bring you into covenant with him in the wilderness. He said in verse 38, And I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the land where they sojourn, but they shall not enter into the land of Israel. Now I want you to notice that God's going to bring some rebels out into the wilderness. But they ain't going to make it to the promised land. And that's just what we saw in Matthew 13. In that parable. This is God's pattern all the way through the scriptures. He's going to purge out the rebels. He's going to purge out the rebellious, you know. Now, I'm going to read you one in Amos chapter 9 and verse 9. He says, For lo, I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all the nations like his grain, is sifted in a sieve. You shall not know the least kernel fell upon the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword who say, "The evil shall not overtake nor meet us." You see, God's plan in the wilderness is to sift His people in order to take out the evil, to prepare the people of God to meet Him. He says, "And I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgressed against me." I'll bring them forth out of the land, but I won't bring them into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. 39. As for you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, go ye serve every one his idols and hereafter also, if you will not hearken unto me, but my holy name shall ye no more profane with your gifts and your idols. For in my holy mountain, in the mountain of the height of Israel, saith the Lord God, there shall all the house of Israel, all of them serve me in the land and there will I accept them and there will I require your offerings and the first fruits of your oblations with all your holy things. 41 As a sweet savor will I accept you when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries wherein you have been scattered and I will sanctify you in the sight of nations and you shall know that I am the Lord when I shall bring you into the land of Israel, into the country, which I swear to give unto your fathers. You know what Israel means, by the way? It means he will rule as God, or he will have power as God. Because the people who live in the land of promise, they've got power, and they rule like Jesus ruled. So he's bringing all of us out. You see, God's people are taken captive to a lot of nations right now. God's people are taken captive by many, many nations. They're captive to the world. And what he's going to do, he's going to bring them out, and not just the people in the United States, all of his people. He's going to bring them out of their captivity to these nations, their trust in these nations, their worship in these nations, the God and country thing. Well, that's going on around the world, folk, but that's not God and country. It's God. Our kingdom is not of this world, you see. So God's going to break that idolatry that people have with their country. And he's going to bring them into his country. He's going to bring them into his land. And on the way, he's going to purge out not only the rebels, but the flesh too. He's going to purge the flesh and they're going to bear fruit, praise God, because he's going to pour out his spirit on them to do that in order to bring this to pass. Folks, that's God's plan. And you know, if it's His plan, He's going to bring it to pass. And it's been His plan since the foundation of the world. And so you ought to know He's going to bring it to pass. It ain't a maybe. He's going to do it. And the only maybe is who is it, who it is that's going to be, it's going to be that elect. That's the only maybe there is. And He's going to do it though. And if you put your trust in Him, you'll never fail. He's going to bring it to pass. He's bringing us out of all the nations that were captive to. He's bringing us back to that place. You know, God told in Hosea chapter 2 and verse 2, he said, Contend with you, mother, contend, for she is not my wife. And in Isaiah chapter 1, God said, how has the faithful city become a harlot? What we've got today is the ones that thinks they are the wife of the Lord, but has become a harlot. And it's because of all the idolatry and all the trusting in the things of the world and all the faith and the ways of the world. God's plan for everyone of us is to bring us out of that. And this is not a geographic location, this Babylonian thing. We all have to come out of Babylon. We all have to come out of Egypt. God's plan is for us to put our trust in him and walk out into that wilderness of our own free will, being led. By the Spirit of God, putting our trust in God, seeing God as our provider, seeing God as our deliverer, seeing him as our healer, seeing him to be all those things that he wants to be. Folks, he's a jealous God. The Bible tells us he's a jealous God. He doesn't like our love of the world and our trust in the world and our idolatry with the world. So he's bringing his people out of the nations all nations, and bringing them back to Israel. But there's something between the land of Israel and those nations, and that's the wilderness. God's going to do a wonderful thing. And I mean in just a little while, God is going to quickly mature a whole lot of Christians. God can quickly mature anybody who will walk out into the wilderness and put their trust in God and not believe in the fantasies that they've been taught. Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hadn't changed. He still desires to be our Savior in all ways. He desires that, and His wilderness experience is His method for doing that. Well, I'm out of time. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. God willing. I can quench my thirsting soul. Pure as water
0: made me. My Lord Jesus